to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. By 2050, we are looking at really in New South Wales, we're looking at around about four degrees above pre-industrial temperatures. That's actually unlivable. We are going to be one of the worst hit places in the world. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Sarah Wilson was a huge media personality in Presence. Her real claim to fame, though, was her I Quit Sugar book, which became a movement. This isn't a conversation about sugar, or really about Sarah. This is a conversation that we need to have around taking responsibility of ourselves, climate change, how scary the world really is right now, and that there is something we can actually do about it. I needed this episode for myself It really helped me, and I hope it helps you too. Sarah Wilson, welcome to The Deep. It's wonderful to be here. It's profound to be here. Do you know what? I want to make this fascinating and interesting, and you are definitely a strong powerhouse. You're an activist now. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you decided to be an activist or if you slipped into that. It's just emerged, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I oscillate between calling myself an activist or an engager because an activist has a certain connotation. Yeah. But I think it's worth owning it in 2022 with where the world's at. And I think you can't sit still and not do anymore. You have been propelled into this role whether you kind of like it or not. A little, yeah. That's reasonably accurate. When I have spoken to people about feeling incredibly overwhelmed with the climate crisis, a lot of people lead back to you. Oh, really? Yeah. So you are... Do I cause the overwhelm or do I pick apart through the overwhelm? You are helping, I guess, navigate, which is a big job and it's a big responsibility. I want you to paint a very detailed picture for me of what it's going to look like in what time frame, pick a year. 
Okay. Let's go with 2050 uh-huh. um, because a lot of the modelling is based on that and a lot of people would have heard of this net zero by 2050. Yes. Okay. Um, and, okay, so it's 2050. Your kids are in their early 30s. Yes. You know, yep. um, starting their lives, mm-hmm. maybe having their own kids. You're about to have some grandchildren. Yes, You're still pretty maybe. young. Yep. You know, gonna, it's not that far away. It's 30 years. I'm going to be 68 and they are going to be getting maybe married, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe pioneering their own ways, That's right? right? But life as we know it will look very, very so different. So show me. Okay. So in Australia, um, and I'm going to base it on current projections based on doing what we're currently doing and what the world is currently committed to. Because what we've said at the Paris Agreement, everyone would have heard of that, is one thing, but what we're actually doing is another. So we need to get to net zero. Um, The chances of that happening are slim. We need to get to net zero so that we don't increase global warming by 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial temperatures. Pre-industrial is roughly the 1900s. It's really a bit earlier than that, but we only started to heat in the 1920s onwards. Mm -hmm. So it's those temperatures where everything was reasonably stable. So we can't go over 1.5. Here in Australia, we're already at 1.44. Now, by 2050, we are looking at really in New South Wales, parts of New South Wales, including Sydney, including the Blue Mountains, we're looking at around about four degrees above pre-industrial temperatures. Um, That's actually unlivable. We are going to be one of the worst hit places in the world. So there'll be other parts of the world that only increase by a little, you know, a little over one. Um, but we will be dragging that average global average up massively. The global south is going to be far more affected. And Australia, um, from a geographical point of view, is in the global south, even though we are part of the global north economically. So 2050, it's going to be stinking hot. We're talking degrees of... Celsius. Yes, like how hot? So we're talking that average temperatures will be across the year four degrees more than they currently are now now that means that some some summer days will be 10 20 degrees hotter um we're already seeing this happening in india in some places in india they got up to 60 degrees celsius they had back-to-back days in most parts of india of between 40 and 45 degrees celsius and this has been predicted this is going to start to happen over and over again so so what that means right there's no vegetation Food will become very scarce. Um, it'll be much harder to feed the world. Um, and in Australia, it'll be, become highly problematic. There'll be certain crops that won't be available. One thing that, an, that really alarmed me, an IPCC scientist, and there's quite a few from Australia who contribute to that big report that comes out you know, on a regular basis and tells us the updates on all of this. This is Professor Leslie Hughes. She said to me, um, there'll be no more winter. So we, we won't have winter any longer technically. It's just going to be – the average temperatures won't allow for it. So there'll be no ski season. And then summer will be very intolerable. And she also said that um, summer sports won't be able to happen. So cricket, for instance, um, will be an impossibility. Same with, with tennis. Um, they'll have to be done at night. We'll have to move indoors. them to other seasons indoors. And then I I mentioned to her, well, look, you know, are we going to have, um, what about koalas and things like that? The animals from our 
picture books, you know, are our kids going to get to see these animals? And she said, oh, yes. And this gives an insight into how climate scientists have got to think and where they find their optimism. She goes, oh, yes. Oh, but we'll only be able to see them in climate-controlled zoos. It's going to be too hot for Australian wildlife. So there will be no real wildlife in the wild? Well, they'll be struggling. They'll be struggling. Um, And it'll be very, very hard to find them. They'll have to adapt. They'll have to become... A lot of these animals have to become nocturnal um, and things like that. And at that point, it's damage is done. The damage is done. That's right. So a big thing that I think also shocks people is that up until recently, we were talking what was called mitigation. Like, let's try to stop this fucking juggernaut from, you know, from careering down the road. And so that's what climate activists like me were doing. Let's make sure we don't have any more emissions so that global warming can stop and we don't get to this point. Well, we've now gone past that. The chances of staying under two degrees Celsius by 2100 is pretty much zero. We have tipped over. Now, the problem with when you tip over two degrees, what are called tipping points start to happen so the arctic permafrost and then big sort of glaciers start to go once that's happened there is no stopping it it's It's a domino domino. effect yep there's about 14 people are listening going oh well i don't really care about the glaciers what's a glacier got to do with me but a glacier goes and then this goes and then that That goes, goes and then and basically once that happens we can't stop it and you know, some people say that human extinction is then just a matter of when, not if. And, you know, we're, there's all kinds of speculation, but, um, and I don't really like to put a number as to how long we've got, but that's ultimately what we've got to think about is... I've heard numbers, though. And you've yeah, heard numbers. Yeah, there have been some. Some people say, you know, it's going to be in the next couple of hundred years, um, which, again, some people might go, oh, well, that's not in my lifetime, yeah, which is I what Barnaby Joyce likes to say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so look, so I think these kinds of things are quite terrifying. That's mitigation. Now, now what the community is doing, the big international climate community is doing is bringing in adaptation so now the work and the money and the resource and the care is to go into how are humans going to yeah adapt to this changing world to the fuck up and um so what what you're saying is the fuck up is imminent it's here here. we are living in the fuck up we can see that in the floods these are not anomalies any longer yep we these aren't just uh conspiracies this is a real thing we'll get to conspiracies later we are in the fuck up. We are feeling it, right? Now we have to adapt. And we're also being inconvenienced, which I like because it's the first trigger to going, mm-hmm. oh, is it a real thing? Maybe it is a real thing. So before we talk sidestep, to the people out there that are like, well, you know what? I know, I know, I recycle, I have quick showers. I turn the tap off when I brush my teeth, these little things, right? But it's all, it's all, it's all a waste of time because we're all going to die anyway, right? There's the doomists. (laughs) They're the doomists. Yeah. What the fuck is the point? I'm just going to eat my KFC. I'm just going to buy fast fashions. Yeah. I'm just going to do it because I can't fight the powers. Self-annihilate faster than the world can take me down. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we discuss suicide theories, Mm-hmm. Of how will we all just kill ourselves before we have to live through the damage? Yeah, people are talking this kind of language, especially Which young is people. Wild, mm-hmm. right? 
And then I think, what the fuck did I do to have kids? Like, and I could cry. Like, what did I do? What, what an incredibly irresponsible thing to bring babies into this world to leave them in a shit show. So, and I know people are listening going, why is she getting emotional? Because I feel like it is a huge responsibility that I carry around like a dark cloud every day, our personal footprint and what we can do to Mm -hmm. help. There are small things and big things. And then we look at, I guess, the superpowers overseas and we look at the impacts and decisions and maybe the disregard that a lot of people um, and powers choose to do. And then you kind of feel like maybe you're at the start again of that cycle. Oh, it's it's a clusterfuck. It's um, and I don't blame you for feeling like it. And then, of course, one thing I will say is this idea of the personal responsibility. Whether it's I've got to recycle more and have less children and go vegan and yes. never leave the house and burn another emission again. Yes, that is something that is really unfairly placed on individuals and I will just point out to people listening if you're feeling this way this is a tactic that has been implemented by the fossil fuel industry so they are trying to overwhelm us they are so it is a particular campaign and tactic they've had various tactics over the last 30 years this is their latest one and so much so so if you can just bear in mind how much attention's been put on plastics and recycling and you just got to know which bin to put it in that is a campaign done by the fossil fuel industry who are watching their investments being divested to renewables that's the way the world's moving because it's financially more profitable (laughs) to move to renewables now and so they're going what the fuck are we going to do with all of our fossil fuels i know we're going to make more plastic so just witness a world where we're going to get more and more plastic thrown at us plastic production is meant to be going through the roof and actually produce more emissions than fuel going forward and And that when you say a campaign or a tactic you're saying that it is strategically thought out by a team oh yeah and then backed by finances to be played out companies edelman it's put out in really clever psychological ways to change the way that we see things. they did it with sugar so the sugar industry did exactly the same thing coca-cola funded these massive campaigns you'll know this phrase calories in calories out you've heard it before right so you think that it's It's the wellness industry you think it's science right there is no science behind it it was completely made up by coca-cola and the sugar industry because what they thought was you can go and we'll tell them go and have your coke you just got to burn it off so then you saw these campaigns right where people are doing exercise and drinking coke and gatorade and the rest and so we were told that the problem was us we weren't exercising enough, enough. and the but then how come the sugar-free ones all come out why is that now the wellness option well they can make more money out of the sugary ones because it's more addictive (laughs) Um, i mean and yes i may have had something to do with that um but yeah there's so much to say on all of that but this happened multiple times i think it's it's important to tell people though that we are being flabbergasted by huge corporations there is huge mm-hmm. amounts because I think we don't realise the psychology. We think we're on our own in all of no. this. No, and this is everywhere. It's everywhere we are. It's in our surroundings, it's in the commercials and the everything that we do, Yeah. right? So I think it's important to highlight that fact when you're discussing 
climate issues that there are teams of people behind this that are trying to trick us into thinking that um, it's all your problem, you, you just need you to recycle better and um, you're on your own and the climate crisis is all on your head, which of course then overwhelms and then people go into the doomism, right? And also then the news comes up and says, well, the recycling's not going to the recycling, the recycling's oh, yeah. going to... Landfill. The landfill. So what the fuck's the point? Yeah. So, I mean, it's the system is designed to make us feel really overwhelmed and like there's, there's no hope. So the way to cut through all of that, yeah. we do... So I involve myself in individual action. So I will never, I've never had a takeaway coffee cup in my life. Mm -hmm. I've always avoided that kind of thing. I avoid all single use everything. Avoid, right? And it's really easy once you start to get the hang of it, you gamify it, it's awesome. Um, And it just means there's less kind of storage solutions I've got to solve. There's less taking things out to the bin. There's less just crap, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I live my life. So you do that and you do that in part so that you can actually, because I think care begets care, Mm -hmm. right? It becomes an avalanche of care. And if it's not, if we're not seeing small instances of care like if you're in a, an apartment block where nobody gives a fuck about recycling it's dispiriting if you're in an apartment block where everyone cares you join in and you get motivated and then that motivates you to do more and more and more and that is how change comes about and I've looked into it like that I've looked into all the nuances and the ways that change happens and it does happen and it happens from that small level outwards so shorter showers veganism conscious purchasing yep driving driving your car less is really really important but i'll cut through to the things that really work right because what we're talking about here and this is another thing to remember we're talking uh, climate warming that is the big problem we can talk about recycling and saving the turtles and and biodiversity they are all interconnected but the most urgent thing on our agenda right now is to bring down those co2 emissions in our atmosphere because if global warming goes there's nothing else left so that's where we've got to put everything so what do you want to focus on the first thing you can do is electrify everything in your life Mm -hmm. so no more natural gas stoves if you're now that's not to say go and rip out your kitchen that is to say if you're about to renovate a kitchen or you're about to go and buy a new house or you're you have an option you have an option go for induction it's a much better option anyway um they're now showing that the amount of adhd and children's mental learning problems stemming from natural gas is huge and that's really certified evidence behind that now so don't get fooled by natural gas it's as natural as arsenic and petroleum the whole thing it's all natural um but yes no more gas it has to be electric and same with your car if you're going to replace your car get electric it's the future you'll be left behind and australia is now the dumping ground for um petrol cars so europe and america are no longer selling these things wow because we've got such bad ev policies here electric vehicle policies they're like let's just dump them all into australia yes we've got really low choice and availability of electric vehicles we've got virtually no charging well, I, pods. i'm looking to buy a car mm. and i looked at electronic options it's minimal oh there's a wait list of like oh and yeah 15,000 people on each car <laughs> yeah. um, however put your name down for it if you can wait a little bit yes. get one my yes. parents were on a waiting list for a bit and they they got and one in between, and they love it you can it. get a hybrid 
you can get a hybrid and that's worth doing as well. So electric car, electric um, stoves, all heating, hot water, everything needs to be electric. Um, then if you can get your solar panels and a battery. Can I mean, we talk about that? Mm. Because there we've I just bought a new house and there's solar panels. And let me tell you, this is really weird. When I go, when I step on my bathroom floor, it's warm yep. from the solar. And it's like, I know I'm very late to the party, but solar panels, I'm sure, isn't there some government support? There's subsidies, yes. For getting this solar. This is the good news. This is the good news. Australia has the highest uptake of solar in the world. We are the success story. Like right. people look to Australia and go, oh my God, if only we can pull that off. Yes. And that is because of um, Labor Party subsidies uh-huh. that happened like 20 years ago. And so all of these people have been buying solar panels and it's worked. Okay. Okay. So it's great. It's a great success story. Go and do it if you can. And then there's all kinds of programs and electricity plans you can use where you put money back into the grid, all of that kind of thing. The problem is, is we don't have policy to take all of that solar energy and put it into a stable grid where we can have solar and wind all day every day yes and that's what's got to change the other really big thing is food waste now that might sound like a bit floaty floaty well if food waste were a nation it would be the third biggest emitter after the US and China so it is huge. And if we cut our emissions by half, wow. if everyone in the Western world cut their food waste by half, it's the equivalent of that entire population switching to solar. So when you're saying food waste, right, it's that soggy bag of kale at the back of the yep. fridge that you have good intentions for, but never happen. Yeah. And are not you eating s- your meals, like throwing out the leftovers. The waste and things. Yeah. So are you saying the it's better to plan and buy as you go is that what you're trying to yeah, say like I, people I mean, are looking at like okay but how do I cut my waste down I've written the world's first zero food waste cookbook I've done two of them they're called Simplicious if you want to go and check them out but it's got every nerdy <laughs> hack for saving every little bit of food you can imagine but some of the favorites are like when you buy your kale or your leafy greens or your coriander which seems to go off in about 15 minutes um, rinse them and then wrap them in an old tea towel or an old pillow slip. You can also buy these things called swag bags. And if you wrap them in that, that'll last, they'll last two weeks without okay. even wilting slightly. Wow. So that's a technique. And then put it into your crisper. So yes. never leave anything in plastic. Nothing that's a fruit or vegetable should be, should be in a plastic. Because they can't breathe. No. And, and also where they come from the ground, why are you putting them in plastic? Yeah. But they'll also just go soggy because the gases they emit will then just rot whatever yes. is inside that plastic bag. Yes. So never put your stuff in plastic. And if you're going to the supermarket, take some of those cloth bags. Don't take a plastic bag. And then you've just got it ready to put straight into the fridge. So there's things like that. Don't peel things. Don't peel your pumpkin. Don't peel. If you're making smoothies, just dump the whole strawberry with the hole and dump the whole apple in. You don't need to take stuff Skin out. Off. Save time. Save like, you know, binage, all of that kind of I thing. I remember watching you on Instagram and your plate um, you would have had dinner and you're like, this is my dinner and it's all the scraps from the fridge. But it looked amazing. Yeah, that's how like- I cook. <laughs> yeah. I go to friends' houses and they're like, Sarah, can you just look in my fridge and I make a meal out yes. of what's in there? And I love it. It is my favourite sport. That's, a, that's actually a TV show. Yeah. Sarah's coming. We've got jack shit in the fridge. What can she I've make? done it. I've been on to a few TV shows actually where I've been challenged with, you know, making something out of banana peels. So I've got a banana peel 
loaf, which tastes even better than banana cake um, because the peel is actually really nutritious and it wow. becomes quite gummy. So it's actually got this lovely texture to it. Anyway, um, so <laughs> we, we digress. I go to new levels with yes. all of this. But there's things, to, it's grandmotherly type stuff. Like you buy an organic chicken, they're expensive. I've shown how you can get 14 meals out of one chicken. Like, so I, so it's also super cost effective is what you're saying. So if you don't give a shit, effective. if like you're listening to this, I don't give a shit about the waste. Think about the money. Oh yeah. You can save huge amounts. We throw out between a third and a quarter of all our food every week. Now look at the prices of food. They're going through the roof. And they roof. will continue, right? With yep. climate change. Yeah. So we need to be on top of this. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They wanted to take me to my next point, which was conspiracy theories. <laughs> yes. I somehow became an expert on them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so for all of those people that believe there's cloud seeding, mm-hmm. there really isn't a climate issue. This is what happens. Yep. It's cyclic. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. You're over-dramatizing. Uh, Talk to me about that because uh, is cloud seeding a thing? No, it's not. I mean, there's some it's, – it's not. Have you seen those strips of white in the air? Yes, it is a thing to the extent that they exist, but it's not contributing to the climate debate. Is it dropping COVID from up there? No. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> COVID. I mean, you know. They think that they can drop the disease and they can, mm. and they can drop the – I think the thing that needs to be understood with conspiracy theories – is that we're all as scared as each other. And it's a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. So it shouldn't be laughed at. I shouldn't make jokes. But it's a way for people to cope because it's too much and it's too scary. Correct. And also the way that information is out there in the world today is so hard to decipher. It's and actually easier le- to believe a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. And there's a legitimate um, there's a legitimate reason to be distrustful of democracy at the mm-hmm. moment. Democracy is really fragmenting around the world. And so it's legit to kind of go, who do we trust? Mm. And then the other thing is, is that, we are in a time of crisis and there's so many changes happening. And when that happens, we are evolutionarily programmed to seek out the tribe. So say if you got shared something on Facebook about, you know, whatever it might be, QAnon and, I don't know, Daniel Andrews storing children in tunnels underground and all of this kind of thing, you will tend to want to believe what your tribe is telling you over the science that's out there or the politicians who are telling you things because belonging matters more to you in a time of crisis. And we've had a lot of crisis. We have had a lot of, and especially when we're in isolation. Yes. Exactly. And so, you know, 
being part of a crew, a, a tribe on Facebook, it makes a lot of sense. And we kind of think that we're rational beings. We're not. We've got so many cognitive dissonances. <laughs> dissonances, right? Yeah. Like we we will go to what will help us survive, yes. either cognitively or physically. Yes. So that's what's going on. Because I did, and it's a perfect storm. I read. It was really interesting when we were seeing the um, anti-vax marches. And a lot of migrants in the marches. And I was quite surprised by that. My dad's a migrant. And what I understood when it was broken down to me was these people did not trust the government. Yeah. And it wasn't about being anti-vax or vax. They had an experience of being forgotten. It's the same with Indigenous people yes. as well. Yes, yep. being pushed aside, not like tr- the trust was broken. Even translating the information caused yes. a big part of the problem. Yes. Language. So um, I think it's a really interesting thing because a lot of the anti-vax community kind of melded with that cloud seeding um, climate change conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Like it's all a big, it's all in one. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking at And the how wellness to, industry as The wellness well. industry. And then how now to... Um, disengage from society and live off grid yep is a really big thing yeah if you can afford it like that's a severe luxury yeah that lots of people can't so yeah a lot of anti-vaxxers have moved into other conspiracies and um you know and the trump thing as well there's a lot of them now that are pro-trump are pro-trumps a lot of people in the wellness industry became pro-trumpers yeah yeah it's the weirdest nexus isn't it isn't it when you look Mm -hmm. at it it's completely bizarre especially when you see everything that he's ever done and belonged to and created yeah and he eats really bad food (laughs) he eats diet coke and burgers like yeah anyway um so it's just i wanted to touch on conspiracies because that's a part of this you know at the end of the day we're dealing with human beings that are terrified and it doesn't matter any which way you look at it it's a very scary overwhelming situation I think you've given us some take-home moments do you believe the cutting back on meat a day a week if you can't do full veganism is helpful even a meal a week yeah I do they've shown that meatless Mondays it's been a thing for a while and um it, it actually just accesses people to eating less meat overall. We need to eat less meat. Now, I'm not going to tell people to go vegan. Mm. Um, Are you vegan? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not for partly for health reasons. Yeah. I've got an autoimmune disease. I can't assimilate any other type of protein. It's just the So do you eat meat? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I eat meat. And then I do what I can in other areas. I don't own a car. I, you know, I cut down my emissions I don't buy anything new I don't buy new clothes I don't you know blah 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 we do what we can but the meat thing absolutely we all need to be eating less of it even more importantly than that is we need to make sure we don't waste a single skerrick of it and it's so bloody expensive so you would go food wastage over meat correct okay when you're throwing out a quarter of your perfectly good food what's the point of going one day meat free yeah yep 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 so i i would say that that's the better way to go about things across the board because food's becoming more scarce beyond meat as well so i am you know the way i buy meat i buy it um the, in the discount rack so I've, I haven't bought full price meat in ages and the reason for that is because you know they're good it's going to be thrown wastage. out yes. it's going to be thrown out if I don't buy it and, and eat everyone it. doesn't buy it in that you know discounted 30% off saves money as well but I don't 
do it for that reason, but a lot of people probably should. And then put it straight in the freezer. Yes. Most people have their meat sitting to the use-by date anyway. anyway. Whack it in the freezer, have a whole Use it freezer. When yeah. A full freezer is more economical and runs on less electricity than an empty freezer. So keep your freezer full. Wow. Like whack it full of everything, everything discounted meat. So I do that. I then just make sure that I use every last piece of meat. So I buy a whole chook and I'll buy organic, even though it's super expensive. But then I boil the bones and I get all of the minerals and the collagen from the stock and I boil it twice. Yeah. And, you know, like. You know how to make the most out of your carcass. That's it. Yes. Max your carcass. But it's also with um, we don't need to be eating more than 100 150 grams of meat as a day a, a, a day and that's the size of your palm you know that's and we're of, having the meat as the hero yeah and everything use it else. for flavor yeah like you know mints and things like that and just, it just constipates you guys you know <laughs> for some people it does yeah get some more greens into you yeah okay that film don't look up mm. did you watch it I did awful. I mean, amazing, but I just left there feeling... I'm, I'm basically that red-headed <laughs> scientist, Kate, or whatever her name is, like, I am that woman. Am yeah. And I um, I just left feeling so hopeless after that film because I got mm. it. I got it to the, the core of my soul. The fish, the fish are going, right? The fisheries mm-hmm. are going. The, yeah. the, not the fisheries, the real fish are going. Everything is, we are over consuming every element. Mm-hmm. How do you feel then when you, like you're talking to me, I'm where I, I've had some fish today. I might eat meat tonight. I might throw out some food and wear fast fashion and all of these things I need to be more educated on. Are you quite judgmental of the people? That's such a great question because, yes, I think in that movie there was this sense of separation, wasn't there? Like, yeah. you idiots, why aren't you paying attention? And that's something that we all went away with, I think. It's like, oh, my God, you know. Um, I have to fight it. I have to remind myself that we are all struggling and that the system set it up where we're told we have to have new things. I mean, I, and I, I'm privileged to the extent that I grew up with nothing like I grew up on a subsistence living farm mum and dad had no money and so I grew up understanding it gamifying it maxing it I had this attitude that I am going to succeed in spite of the fact that I never went on a school excursion in my life never went on a school camp never had new clothing and you know like it's actually something that I've developed an appreciation of and not everybody has that exposure it's also especially young people who've grown up in the last 30 years they know nothing else other than to buy heaps of new disposable shit and that's the thing i grew up with frugality is that a word it is and um we had very little and you know my school clothes came from the lost and found yeah and so i was i was very used to not having and then I'm super frugal still because it's in you. Like you said, I don't mm. need, I can make, oh, I can make a dollar into $2, you know, yeah. I just yeah. stretch and stretch. But then I look at people that haven't grown up like that. It's, it's in you or it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard. In many ways. And look, my approach is, and this is, you know, in my book, This One Wild and Precious Life, I spent ages, like literally a year going backwards and forwards going, 
pretty much like what the, the makers of that movie, Don't Look Up, would have had to go through. And um, Adam Mackay, like he agonised about the approach he was going to take and he ended up going with that metaphor of the meteor, yeah. you know, hitting, or meteorite hitting planet Earth in six months and putting that time frame to things. But for me, I realised the only way that people are going to shift their behaviour is if I can show this new way of being to be sexier and cooler and more charming and fun and liberating than the status quo. And so I... I call it the basic bitch. Like, just don't be a basic bitch, you know, yeah. and go. And that thing of like, oh, I need to buy... I'm sad, I need to buy... No, basic bitch, sit in it, like, feel just, it. And yeah, just don't go to the shops. No. Just don't go to the shops is my antidote to everything. If you don't go there, because shopping begets more shopping. But to go back, you know, to your point at the beginning we sort of launched with all of this is like it all feels really hard I personally don't see it that way I love living this way I almost feel like everyone else is living the hard way exactly I sleep in separate beds to my husband and everyone thinks that I'm the freak I think everyone else is the freak yeah it's the same thing right you're like why would you have all this baggage you're carrying around, all this shit and all this Why stuff. Why would you do it just because you have to yeah. and because everybody else is doing it? I mean, I quite love the renegade aspect of it. When I ride my bike around and I'm like zooming past 20 cars, cars banked <laughs> up at traffic and then I can just pull up outside the post office, pick something up, not get a parking ticket, then go on to the next thing and I've got my exercise in at the same time. I've got fresh air. I've seen people. I can wave at them. I can actually look up and have a look around at what's going on. I get to hear birds like... Like, I'm the winner. Can you know? I tell you what's made this really fucking hard? Kids. Yeah, kids do make it hard. But you know what? My brothers. Is I've, he? Yeah, they've all got, I've got four brothers and a sister. My brothers have all got kids. They all live the same way as me. On bikes? Yep, on bikes. They take their kids on the back of their bike to, to work. Every day. They go on holidays with a little trailer on their bikes. Like, that's what they do. Um, they have veggie gardens. The kids do don't they do... Use the disp- do they use the reusable nappies? Yeah, because they're actually better, unless you've got a really good nappy service in terms of looking at all the different aspects yeah. to things. It's not an ideal situation, but they're very mindful of those things. Um, and, yeah, I guess they don't send their kids off to multiple school sports and make rods for their back or, you know, after school activities... They do activities that are around the home, building things. Um, they camp. Are they in cities or are they in countries? Cities. Cities. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Mostly. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I've got one brother who's in Vanuatu at the moment living some kind of feral life, but he was in Canberra before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just fascinating. But, yeah, I, I get called a minimalist. I don't define myself that way. I prefer just to live the way I live and, you know, people in my orbit they've all picked up on my habits because it's easier and it's more joyful yeah and it's like it's lighter and there's more freedom and more creativity and yeah and you know there is far more fun to be had if you're not weighed down by these pressure to go to the freaking mall on a Sunday morning. It's so, you've given me at least 67 things to take away (laughs) from, you know, we've gone everywhere today but like just even your sense your sensibility and the way that you live life and the way you are of service is such oh just such a beautiful thing and I'm not trying to you know blow smoke up your ass but it really the things that you have chosen to do with your life 
have been really incredible. So I think if anyone is inspired just by that element of service or it is by using their vote or it is by making small changes to towards climate change, I think there's so much here that you've given us to take away. Oh, I'm glad. And I thank you so much for, for mindfully talking through it and being so honest. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's why I do it, mm. you know. I just want to know what makes people tick and I want them to understand me just like you want to understand you know I want to be understood as well and I think um it's it's a we've got to keep engaging in the grand moral wrestle yeah there is no shortcuts there's no easy solutions but we've got to engage you know we've got to meet each other in it all can I ask you then our final question yes is who are you when no one's watching oh far out that I really do love that question um, I'm a big, awkward, sort of brown tinged dag. Like I am the little kid who I was at seven. Really nothing has changed. And I remember, you know, just walking around. Every photo of me back then is deadly serious with my eyes wide open. And I was just in a permanent state of holy shit. <laughs> like I, and I haven't changed. I, I told my mum I was going to be the first female prime minister of australia or a nun when i grew up wow because i figured isn't that terrible i figured that men would get in the way and look at how my life has turned out did you manifest well oh god i don't know i planted some sort of seed um there's still hope for me i could become a nun yet (laughs) Um, or the prime minister well plenty of years left on the planet to do stuff Mm. you're amazing thank you i've enjoyed this chat thank you I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.